Today's episode of the City Smack Podcast on the City Smack Podcast Network is brought to you by the City Smack Patreon account. If you have enjoyed any of our content from the past 16 months, I believe, is how long the site's been around, which is crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, then consider donating to the City Smack Patreon. It's your way of showing that uh, you really appreciate our content and that it fuels us to keep going. I believe we've been creating mostly high-quality articles, podcasts, videos, photos centered around the world of professional running, not professional running. We're bridging the gap. Whether you're a washed-up college athlete, maybe you ran track in high school, or perhaps you're 35 years old and still grinding it out every day, whoever you are, CS Mag is making stuff that you'll find relatable. It's by the common runner, for the common runner. It's insightful, maybe a little bit funny. And this is our second year on the World Wide Web. We have... We always have plans for big and new and exciting stuff. Uh, thanks to the City Smack Patreon backers that have already donated, we are able to get a house at the U.S. Championships, and we're able to fly out most of our writers to the U.S. Championships. So we're going to go all out for that coverage, and we really appreciate any support that Sitwits have shown us in the past uh 16 months and uh, we're looking to do more so whether it's a dollar whether it's eight dollars a month which makes you an official member of the city smack track club and you can buy the singlets and all this stuff that is these singlets are actually dominating right now we are winning races and putting the black and white of the city smack track club across the finish line first which is very exciting to see not myself but other people are doing it um it's a lot of fun and we're having fun we want to keep having fun, so consider donating to the City Smack Patreon account. I'll link to it in the show notes. Anything will do. A dollar, eight dollars a month, ten dollars a month. You know, if you are uh, a very prominent sitwit who makes a lot of money, we'll uh, we'll take even bigger donations as well. Uh, it's Patreon.com/slash Mag. Uh, it'll be in the show notes as well. My guest for today's show is David Ribich, who just wrapped up his NCAA eligibility. Uh, at Western Oregon, which is a Division II school. Regardless of the division, the past two years have treated David pretty well as he's broken out as a star on the middle distance scene, not just for uh, by Division II standards, but just overall. He ran 339 at the Portland Track Festival in 2017 and then managed to sneak his way in practically to the U.S. Championships and not only reach the 1,500-meter final, but finished ninth uh, overall. And then 2018 has really treated him pretty well. He ran 358 for the mile back in January, became, I believe, the 501st American to accomplish feet just off of that round number of 500. But still, he ran 750 in February for the 3K. And then Outdoors has been treating him phenomenally. He ran 148 for the 800 and a personal best of 337.35 at Azusa Pacific back in April uh, to set, I believe, a Division II record. So David's on a roll, finished up his eligibility, so look for him to possibly sign a professional contract within the next couple days ahead of the U.S. Championships. He's got a lot of promise as an athlete, and there could be you know a good group that he matches up with. Um, so... Before David really blossoms as a star, I figured it'd be cool to get him on the podcast just to get some background on how he got to this point and what some of his goals and expectations are going forward. So if you are a Division II athlete, 
I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. If you're an athlete in high school who, you know, has dreams of running Division One, I, I think this episode will kind of paint a different picture as to it doesn't always have to be Division One for you to really explore your potential. And uh, David is an excellent example of that. So I think you guys will enjoy the show. And then and everyone else, it's just it's a great come-up story. So uh, without further ado... This is David Ribich. Let's start the show. All right, and we're live uh, with another episode of the Sidious Mag podcast. Uh, this time, my guest is David Ribich, who is someone who's been making quite the name for himself uh, this year on the track and field scene. Uh, David runs, uh, ran, I guess, at Western Oregon. He's all done with his eligibility. Uh, PRs of 148 for the 800, 337 for the 1500. Uh, two-time NCAA Division II 1500-meter champion. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's been quite the past two years for you, especially to kind of just like really, I guess take take it to the next level. Uh, I guess let's let's start right there. What what has it been like for you to really, I guess, not only put yourself on the map, but put like Western Oregon and Division Two on the scene? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the last two years have been crazy. I mean, coming off of last year's successes, uh, my coach and I kind of sat down. And we just were like, all right, we need to roadmap this uh, upcoming few few uh, seasons, uh, especially being four and done in my collegiate uh, career. You know, people have red shirts and such, but Johnson's always the kind of guy that's like, if you're healthy, you're racing. And so I did uh, my collegiate eligibility the fastest way possible, and that was 12 consecutive seasons. And so um, my proudest part of that is I finished my degree, and I'll be graduating and walking in uh, in two weeks. And so... Yeah, I know the last two years have definitely just skyrocketed in. Um, I mean, I, I think my teammates and everyone for just um, working out with me every single day. You know, it's like my successes have have um, been seen, but I work out with a group of eight, nine guys every single day. And so it's like those guys really help me and carry me through into um, the championship parts of the seasons and those um, higher profile type meets. Yeah, so 12 straight seasons. Are you tired? Like, are you ready for a break, or what's the plan? USA's and then a couple more yeah. races? I mean, I'm glad to take a little breather off of cross-country. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love cross-country season. Um, it's a good build-up into track. But some of the guys on our team right now are building up for another fall season, and I can't really imagine gearing up for another uh, 10K, on the tra- or 10K on the course. But, yeah, so right now, um, thankfully, Johnson and I have kind of worked out to where my season really starts in uh, or started in April. And so we, we wanted to try to build a focus where um, I'll be able to run through June and July without kind of like that burnout of just exhaustion of going since August. And so, yeah, the, the plan right now is running the 800 meters um, at Portland track festival coming up this weekend. And then I'll race uh, in Iowa for the USA championships in the 1500. So let's actually take a couple steps back and tell the story, I guess, of how uh, you have connected with Sidious Mag in the past year. So it was really funny because last year during the U.S. Championships, we had uh, these shirts that we came out with. And yeah, yeah. We, had, 
we had them on sale and then we got a we got a direct message on twitter from you you're like how can how can i get one for free and we're like who is this guy and then uh you're like what if i make the 1500 meter final and we're like well wait this guy's running and then you actually did make the final and we gave you a shirt uh and i just thought that was just hilarious that yeah that that was the first sort of interaction that uh i had with you and then i was like kind of like just following along and i was like wait wait this guy's actually pretty good uh and it was just really funny how that interaction has developed into uh just seeing your come up here but um i wanted i want to go even further back division two or just like where where did you start yeah so I mean, just to start off that T-shirt thing. I mean, my assistant coach made me pay the twenty-five dollars for the shirt. I wanted it. <laughs> oh, that's like, right. He's like, he's like David. You know, he's like, you can't be making bets with people. With all these bills. <laughs> he's like, pull out the twenty-five, go pay your, go pay your for shirt, and come back. And it's funny because like, um, that's one of my prized shirts. I, I, I love it, and I wore it. Uh, I wore it at camp at a high school camp that I work at and all the kids are like, Oh my gosh, you have a kiddies mag shirt. And I'm like, heck yeah, I got a kiddies mag shirt. But, um, yeah. So where I started, um just a super small town um, called Enterprise, Oregon. And it's located in the northeast corner of Oregon. It's an hour and a half from uh, Idaho, hour and a half from Washington. You know, I'm going through the basics. Population, 2,000. Uh, my graduating class was 32, maybe 34 people, unfortunately. Wow. Like, I can't remember the exact number, which is sad because there's so few people. So I'm going to say like 30 to 35. Um, but I went to kindergarten with like 20 or so of them. And so it was just like this come up of 12 years. Everyone was a family didn't really have much of a dating scene is just like everyone was there. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I'm surrounded by the Eagle cap wilderness. Um, people listening, Google Eagle cap wilderness. It's referred to as like the North American Swiss Alps. Like it is beautiful, uh, rim rock and like, it's astonishing. It's glacier lakes and it's right next to Joseph, Oregon, which usually gets the fame for, um, the iconic areas around us. But you know, there's no stoplights. We're an hour and a half from the closest uh, Walmart. And so we have an annual rodeo that goes put on. And so, yeah, I went to Western Oregon University and I found out it was a liberal arts school once I got here. I didn't actually know that. And so that was, that was a transition process. But yeah, no, I, I started out in a super small town, uh, 2A of uh, Oregon. And so, yeah, just Oregon's been my home state since. So, uh, In high school, I mean, did you raise too many eyebrows to uh, attract Division One attention? What was the deal there? Yeah, it was it was kind of different. You know, I came out of high school and I had pretty good marks, um, but they weren't like astonishing marks for high schoolers. Like I ran uh, four ten in the fifteen hundred meters and uh, two hundred four in the eight hundred, eight fifty seven for three k, fifteen fifty seven for five k. So it was like they were good marks, but they weren't. They're kind of like bubble marks, and so it's like. For people listening, like if you are a slow developer, like trust your body, trust yourself, don't get in a rush. Like ignore those posts of high schoolers running these ridiculous times. Like Jacob Ingerbritson, like put that aside. You know he beat me. Like I don't want to talk about it. Whoopsie <laughs> Peyton. You know, but it's like those are like freak athletes. So it's like be confident in yourself and like your development that what you're doing is gonna work and it'll pay off if you're patient. And that's something that I really struggle with is patience. And so. Uh, my high school coach would never really push me beyond my body's capabilities. He would always say, he's like, I'm going to do exactly what your body needs to get you the results that you want. And what I wanted was just to, you know, win small school state titles and um, get looked at at college. But he knew that my time was going to be in the future. 
And what's great is my college coach has that same mindset of my time is going to be in the future. And so, yeah, it's like I, I got offers from a couple NAIs um, and Western Oregon. You know, it, I, I didn't really get that much attraction, but I knew my sophomore year of high school that running in college was something that I wanted to look forward to and, and kind, kind of pursue. At the same time, like if knowing that your time is like still uh, the, your your sights are set on on the future, you had some really good moments now, like in the, in the present day. Uh, when did it click for you that you were like, you know what, I could be pretty successful now, uh, but I still have some left in the tank for the future? Oh, um, man, that's a good question. It's like we were so after USA's was obviously a huge turning point. You know, that was like a like when I ran um, 339 last um, June at Portland Track Festival, my coach and I kind of discussed like, hey, are are going to run USAs? And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I want to run USAs. And it's like, we're not sure if you're going to get in. So I went through a pretty big process of like refreshing the declaration page and accepted entry page. It almost hit me with like anxiety of like, am I going to get in? Am I going to get in? And I got too caught up in like the, the result of it, not the process of actually getting and like how successful of a year – um, it was leading up to that point. And so when we, uh, when I ran, um, 339 last year, it was like a, like a turn point of, okay, Johns was a little surprised. I was a little surprised. What's our senior focus going to be? Cause like, had I graduated last year, if I was a senior, I ran 339 ninth in the U S final, it would have been a good enough mark to where I could pursue a post-collegiate career in a sense. And so going into this year, really my main focus was, um, getting a team to cross country nationals. That was my one focus. Um, indoor was winning the DMR national title. And then outdoor was um, breaking the all time record for 1500 meters. And so what was made easy in all of that was just being able to have those focus points every season to where I, like my main focus was the 1500 meters outdoor that, that record. But I knew like to, in order to get there, I really had to take care of the present and, that's um, something that we kind of instill at our program too, is like focus on the moment, focus on the now, the future will take care of itself. And so now that I'm done with my eligibility and all those things have been accomplished, it's like, I'm so thankful that I took time to really focus on that moment because now moving forward, everything kind of gets put into place. Gotcha. The, I like how the, the one that stood out to me, the goal on that list was the DMR title for indoors. And that's mainly because of how dramatic it was in 2017, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah. 2017 was wild because we won by one, one thousandth of a second. And right. it was like me falling across the line. Like everyone fought in neck and neck. Like our handoffs were perfect sync with Adam state. And so, yeah, it was one, one thousandth of a second. I bounced off the track. Um, pretty sure I had a mild concussion like the next day I was pretty disoriented and I didn't sleep good and like I didn't eat food well like but it was uh I mean probably not but that's what I say um and uh so coming into this year we're like yeah we need to solidify the fact that we won that title last year because um in that process we set the division two national record for DMR by one one thousandth of a second over the second place team and so we're like like we're we've had such a great rivalry with Adam State where we're like okay, like we need to prove to them like yeah this is us, and uh, I wanted to get like DMR national title mm-hmm. rings, but um, we kind of agreed. I hopped on it to just get like 
tattoos. So we have like 0.001 tattooed on our ankles. And so what? That's crazy. Yeah, super, yeah it's see, hopefully not cliche or whatever, but it's like it shows like fight for every thousandth because once we came back to Western, um, like the support from the athletic department, other teams, like um, the community was just incredible. And it's like, wow, had we been on that other thousandth of a second mark, we wouldn't be getting this banner hung in our gymnasium. We wouldn't be getting this recognition of national champions. And so that moment was really the solidifying factor moving forward for the last like 18 months. And so, yeah, this year I was like, I don't, I don't care about the anything else but this DMR. Like this is the if I could win one event my senior year, it's going to be the DMR. So, yeah, I think it's a sweet event. So. Yeah, I I like how you brought up uh, Adam State because so when I was with uh, Flow Track back in twenty oh man this is going back to twenty thirteen <laughs> I believe uh, I went out and I did like the documentary with uh, Adam State and I got to spend yeah. a couple of days out there and it was interesting because uh, they felt like they had like a chip on their shoulder and they kind of look forward to those cross country races uh, during the year like something like a Roy Griak where they get to face off yeah. against the uh like the, the division one teams uh what was uh, i guess first off how would you characterize that rivalry that you kind of had with with adam state and then two what's it like for you to go to some of these meets and face off against division one guys because there's always the case yeah. where you're gonna hear some sort of coach or a spectator or fan saying like you gotta get that guy he runs for division two uh, so the rivalry it's like it's so cool to have a rivalry within um, like the division, like um, Adam state. And it's crazy because within the last like four years, since I've been here, the division's gotten crazy. Like Thomas Staines from CSU Pueblo running 145. you know, Adam state guys, Oliver Atchison who won countless titles, um, like Bastion Grau for Southern Indiana, won the indoor miles, Sydney get of a day from Adam state. It's like these rivalries are like, friendly competitive rivalries to where everyone is succeeding and benefiting from the process of just being able to compete with each other. So having these rivalries in the division, I think means a lot because it elevates everybody. Um, it elevates division two entirely. You know, it's like you look at the women's 800 meter final at um, nationals. It took two Oh six, two or so to get into the final for division two for the 800 meters for women. Like that's crazy. That's you know, deep. it's like, in the last four years, yeah, it's just gotten so much more competitive. And so I think rivalries really fuel Division Two, but they're also friendly because what Division Two's kind of allowed me is have this platform and um, sense of community with other Division Two athletes where we can come together and be like, yo, we need to run this bonker time. Like, let's let's gut it out and try to run fast. And, like, that was kind of Sydney and I's approach with the 3K at Dempsey. Luckily, um, not luckily, but he had the 5K the night before. And so... <laughs> I was going to say, like, not luckily that I got him, but it was like, um, luckily we had that conversation because we were both rooting for each other. He was just definitely gassed from the night before because he ran, like, 13 mid or high. And so, yeah, so that answers, like, the rivalry. It's just, like, Adam State's been a powerhouse. You know, CSU Pueblo is becoming a powerhouse. And it's it's cool to put, like, Western Oregon on the map as one of those powerhouses. At least I'm biased in that opinion. But, yeah, the rivalries just fuel everyone to, like, transcend everything that's happened before. Um, in terms of, like, lining up on the Division One side of things, it's like I, I think Division Two has has it the best because – or Division Three or NAI or whatever. I mean, D1 has it good too. But for me personally, it's like I get on the starting line at, like, Azusa Pacific. 
and I'm lining up to, you know, Josh Robert, Dominic, Justin Knight, Sam Prakel, Mick Stanovic, Andy Turrard. Like, the list can go on and on. Like, O'Hare from Wisconsin. It's like, those are middle distance dudes. Well, and Justin Knight, who's whatever distance dude. You know? <laughs> but it's like, I get to line up against those guys, experiencing those, experience those races, be a part of those races race those guys and then when it comes to championship season i can re refocus and just dial in on where where i'm at and kind of what i need to take care of and take care of business and it's like the stigma of division two division three naia d1 is honestly um it's like tiresome in a sense where i feel like people um sometimes have the analogy that smaller school division athletes are bitter about not being division one. And it's kind of unfortunate because it's like success or just success should be measured by just the individual, not necessarily the division. And so being like a smaller school guy, I'm going to advocate always for going to a program that's right for you. Like put the pro put the, the money, the title, the label behind and just do what you need to do best for yourself. And so there's that. And it's like the, the spectators and fans, they, I don't, it's like they'll they'll make comments of that and they'll say things like you got to beat that D two guy or whatever. But it, at the end of the day, what those fans really want is a race, you know. And so it's like if that D two guy, if they're yelling at the D one guy to beat the D two guy and the D two guys going neck and neck to the line, it's like that fan is going to be ecstatic either way. They're just like, oh, that was a hell of a race, you know. The D one guy got him, or it's like the D two guy got him. But man, that was awesome. And so, yeah, it's just you, you got to be able to put those aside. And when you step on the line, whether you're a D one or an AI or JUCO, it's like you're all there for the same reason, and that's to compete and run fast. It, it doesn't matter the division. As a competitor side, as a fan side, you know, D1 has that attraction level of they do have some of the top collegiates all, all the time. Like, um, you know, like they have Josh Kerr and they have like Grant Holloway and Sidney McLaughlin. Like, that's a huge separation. <laughs> you know, they, they have those guys. And, and so, yeah, I guess just when you're on the line, it, I, it doesn't bother me. I know obviously it wouldn't bother Thomas Staines or Sydney Gittabay. You know, it's like we, we try to make a, a point of like racers race. That's pretty much the end of the line. So, so now that your, your eligibility is up, like, is there a part of you that's kind of a little relieved to, to I guess like shed the notion that like, Hey, I'm the division two guy in this race. Now it's going to be like, you're just another professional uh, in the in like the same exact race, but you should still have that part of you that is proud to to you know be yeah. the kid who was Division Two. Yeah, no, no, most definitely. And I think a good example of that is uh, you know Drew Wendell for Brooks Beast. You know he has established himself as a middle distance uh, eight hundred meter great. You know he's like what third on the all time list for indoor eight hundred meters for USA like all time. And so it's like yeah, w- I think what matters in that is the people that know know. You know, it's like the people that know Drew Wendell as that D2 small school guy are going to have so much attachment and, and root for him to succeed because they just know his process, know everything about it. You know, for me, when I'm lining up in, in a singlet um, for, for running professionally, the people that know me and have followed my journey will respect me as a Division two guy and root, me, root for me as a Division two guy. And at the same time, I'm still going to be advocating for those small school kids you know it's like small school big dreams that goes a a long way and so when i'm in that singlet yeah i'll be running at the professional ranks but i'll still be repping you know d2 i'm not going to get a d2 tattoo or anything but (laughs) no i'll be it's close to home and it's close to heart and so 
you know, that's kind of been my identity and persona. So like moving forward in this process, it's like, I don't want to leave that behind because I think like the messages that I receive constantly from division two or small school athletes, um, whether it's high school or college, those are the things that really harness my focus and, and put me in a position to where I feel like I'm capable of achieving because they are like, Hey, I'm a small school kid. I've seen what you do. That's so incredible. You're awesome. And I'm like, thanks man. Like, I really appreciate it. Like it just fuels me. And so, yeah, when I'm lining up in that kit, I'll be repping, repping a company and a team, but I'll, more importantly, I'll be repping like individuals that want to have that dream. So definitely the thing that stood out to me so far is the fact that you're able to rattle off some of these times, some of these, uh, like, I guess where something like where Drew Wendell falls on like the all time list. So you've studied the sport and you've kind of like really taken it all in as a fan. Uh, when did this happen? When did, when did you really, I guess, start to piece everything, everything together? Oh man. Um, you know, I started running, um, in seventh grade for cross country because my school was too small to have a soccer team. And <laughs> I would have definitely played soccer. I think soccer is one of the coolest sports around, but, um, I started building that identity as like the runner. And then once I got to college, like I, no offense, I was in high school and you worked for flow track, but I didn't know what flow track was. I didn't know what dice stat was, barely knew what runner space was. So then once I got to college, I kind of got this overload of information of what this track and world is and or track and field world is. And so I think that was also one of my um, biggest strong suits coming out of high school is I had that naiveness of not knowing what was fast and what wasn't. I was just like, Oh, I'm a D or a, two-way Oregon State champion look at me and then I go to college I'm like holy crap if I want to do anything I'm gonna have to run away faster (laughs) and so I guess it just kind of developed just naturally of just being around people that are excited about the sport and and I've been so fortunate to be surrounded by people that are huge fans of the sport not only are they competitors and um coaches they're they're also fans of it you know I in 2016 um my buddy that works um, at Seattle Pacific University, Chris Reed, posted on his Facebook like, hey, I got two extra tickets for the Olympic trials. And it was the day before. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to snag those. So immediately <laughs> I just snag those and go to it. And it's like I think in order to uh, just really be able to immerse yourself in this world of sports, you got to be able to talk the language or just be a part of it because it's so awesome to be able to follow people's successes, especially in today's day and age with like social media and and, um, you know, like email links, like I subscribe to people and I get updates on people's race plans because it's fun to know. And so, um, yeah, it's just like, we're just, we have all this information, um, readily available, um, that we should be utilizing it to kind of, um, bring knowledge to ourselves about the sport. You know, it's like I was in the trainers getting worked on watching NBC gold because my mom forgot to cancel her membership, but I'm not going <laughs> to tell her, um, watching like Jenny Simpson, run a world leading mark in the mile as I was in Oregon on the training table and she was in, um, running a diamond league across the world. It's like, because that's available, it's, I'm a huge fan of that because like, I, I just don't feel like I have a reason not to be, it's like, I have that available. So, mm-hmm. uh, so let's go into USA's last year, mm-hmm. the, the actual race. What was that like for you to be on the starting line? See the likes of like Johnny Gregoric, Craig Engels, guys that are just a little bit older than you. But like they are, they have the experience of having been on this stage multiple times. First of all, you like you just barely got into the field, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, man, USA's last year was a trip, and so it was like, 
like I was saying earlier during the declaration process, I was so like distraught about the whole thing because <laughs> when I thought that I had a chance, I got really attached to the idea of running at USA's. And when I saw my name getting pushed farther and farther back on the declaration <laughs> list, like my heart just kept getting like lower and, and, and like there's like a pit in my stomach and I was like, no. And to be honest, like I didn't really eat or sleep during that declaration process because I was so worried about making the meat. And it, it just honestly ticks me off that like I got in that mindset because I was so focused on the result that I forgot about the process of being healthy for 12 consecutive months and being able to compete and be in a race to try to qualify for the meet. Like, like I won the division two national title two weeks prior to that race. I ran 339 and all I cared about was making this meet. Like I didn't even get to really relish in the fact that I won that title, you know? And so when I saw I was like 36, 37th, I was like, all right, well, heck of a season. Like I, I full on got like my, um, the, what, what was it? It was like calm and chill Spotify playlist. And I, like, <laughs> I got in the shower and I was like getting in the zone of, it was a great year. You know, now it's time for cross season. Then I get out of the shower and it was my roommates like, dude, you got in the meet. It says accepted, like declared accepted. And I was like, no, it doesn't. And it's like, yeah, declared accepted, selected, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I look at it. I text my coach, text my assistant. And he's like, you're in. So I was like 37th or whatever in. And that's like one of the rare years that they bring that many people in the field. And it was funny, like reading some of those pro tweets talking that were in that race that were like, no, I don't really, it doesn't make sense to me to bring this many guys in the field. It's like, they should just cut it off at this, this. <laughs> I was just like in the back kind of like laughing, like, no, like you can't cut it off. Like that's me. You're not about me. And, uh, so once I got there, I was just so thankful for the experience. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I was like in a, in a normal sense this is a pro me. I'm still a collegiate. I have a full year. So I'm going to come down here with zero expert expectations and just enjoy the moment and race it. And so we went, me and my assistant coach went down, which I'm so thankful for because that was a good trip for him. And I, we, we were roommates, um, two years ago. And so with him being an assistant coach, um, it was just really awesome to see him getting that opportunity to represent me as a coach at USA championships. And so my head coach drove down, but me and my assistant coach went, I saw the I, right before I got on the plane. I checked the prelim heat and I saw like Weeding and Centro and Clayton, and I was like, "Geez!" I was like, "Well, if I don't make the final, at least I pretty much got the final in my prelim." That was kind <laughs> of the mentality. And then I get in the prelim, and it like when we were going out for the prelim, um, I don't know if you've heard the quote at all, um, but it was like Centro was standing, then I was standing right next to Centro, and these kids were taking pictures. And I asked him, "I was like, are they taking pictures of you or me?" And he's, he looks me up and down. He's like, definitely you. And it's like, it, it was just like a, a cool moment for me because I would have said that to anybody. And just the fact that I got to say that to like the defending Olympic champion and someone that I've watched compete for so long um, was just an awesome, awesome experience. It's like always be you and have that personality wherever you are. And so, yeah, I was like lining up to guys like Andrew Weeding and, and Clayton Murphy and Centro. And so during that prelim, I was just like, survive in advance really like just race wherever you're next to i found myself in um like the top five ish and i was like okay like this is the third heat you guys are on pace like just finish this <laughs> and i was coming around with like 200 to go and i started moving and i was like holy crap i might make the final i might make the final and then i got clipped by clayton murphy and i almost like i didn't almost go down but I, it was clipped enough to where like my thought of me making the final vanished and i was like oh oh my gosh and i look it's like i just got clipped by clayton murphy 
And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I just got clipped by Clayton Murphy. And so then I like had an extra gear and just finished strong to advance. And I saw my name up on the board. I was like, I just made the final. And it was cool because my, one of my roommates surprised me and flew down um, that morning. And so he was there. And then um, Brady was there. Chris Reed, my friend from Seattle Pacific, was there. And then my mom called me right after. She's like, oh, well, I got the rental car. I, I was going to try to come down for the prelims. I couldn't arrange it, but I knew you were going to make the final. So I already arranged the rental car and hotel. So my mom drove from Enterprise to Sacramento, which is like – Jeez, I don't even know, 13 or something hours. Whoa, and that's crazy. <laughs> it was cool because she picked up my girlfriend on the way, and my girlfriend surprised me down there. And there was like a moment too where, like, it was the night after the prelims, and um, I call her and I was like, hey, what's up? And she's like, oh, uh, just in the car with uh, Juliana. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what are you, where are you guys going? She's like, oh, get ice cream. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, like, I know your mom's driving down there, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, man, that would have been awesome. And I, so then, like, we hang up. And I just remember feeling like, man, that would be so cool if Libby would have come down. And then, then like, the night, day of the final, like, she walks in my hotel room. I'm like, I knew it. But I also <laughs> didn't know it. But, like, this is awesome. And so that was just so cool to see because um, she got to just come down and, and watch me race and drive. Which about that. It's been about a year now. But. Um, we haven't really talked about the conversations her and my mom had. No, that's a long 13 hour drive. It really is. Yeah, yeah. So I ho- hopefully all went well. I mean, we're still dating. So, yeah. But yeah, so, so USA is just incredible. And how, did, how did the final feel? I mean, it's at that point, yeah. it's like anything, but anything would feel great. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you, know, you managed to get ninth place. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Man, it was like in my journey. So, like, you guys are pretty aware of it, but like I'm journaling and documenting my entire senior year, you know? So I started journaling the night before the prelim and I've journaled every day since up until now. So like, I've still been going strong with that. And my hopes with that is to, to publish it um, and get a journal out there that talks about my senior year, my training, my motivation, what inspires me. And that can be an easy read for a high school athlete, collegiate athlete, really anyone that just wants to read a running journal. You know, there's a niche for people that want to read stuff like that. So, yeah, that's in the works. And looking back at my journal and such, um, it says the night before the final, like, if it goes out in a 63-64, I'm going to take the lead if I'm in a position. And we um, fast forward to the final. I'm coming around 63-64, and I look around, and I am – boxed out of my mind and I'm like how am I gonna do this and like I kind of slowed back down and then right when I slowed down I get reboxed and it was just like I felt so trapped that entire time and when I watched Ben Blankenship just like fly on the outside to the front I was like mm, that's my move like it probably wouldn't have paid off for me you know but I would have felt so much better about myself um making that move and being kind of like a deciding factor in the race um to just experience something like that this is also coming from the guy that got scratched into the meat, you know, was one of those last editions, barely made the final. And here I am talking about what I should have done differently in the final. And so it's like, I'm taking it for a grain of salt and me going through my race. I, I was talking to my high school coach um, right after the race. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you should have stuck your neck in there. Da, 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 da. But David, <laughs> you also made the final. So it's like, quit complaining about it. Like just he's like, enjoy the moment, yada, yada, yada. And so, yeah, the final felt great. Um, I had front row seats to watch people make a world championship team, which was crazy because I was coming down the home stretch. I saw like Robbie Andrews and Craig and Johnny and Matthew just 
race to the line. And I watched it. And I remember just thinking, like, that's a team. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell am I thinking? Like, <laughs> and, and so it was just a surreal experience of getting, like, a year ago at the Olympic trials, I was paid 20 bucks for a seat far up and getting rained on. And then a year later, I'm watching people make world championship teams as I'm sweating and duking it out. And when I got done with the race, I was pretty um, not bummed with the result, but I, I was relatively like, man, I wish I would have done something different. And then like my coach told me like, Hey, he's like, what was your last 800? And I was like, I don't know, like slower than everybody else's. And he's like, no, he's like, you ran one fifty two six on your last day. <laughs> and it was like one fifty two six nine or something because my sophomore year PR in the eight was one fifty two six two, and I ran like point oh something off my eight hundred meter PR in a fifteen hundred meter final a year later, and so that's where I was just like, okay, I got to take this into perspective and think like, you can take anything away from a race to make it positive, and for me it was like just the ability to be there, compete, and then run that fast for my final eight. So, so yeah, it was a crazy experience, had ups and downs, um, but it was incredible you know and i got to watch the meet too which was awesome that's wild that that, that was yeah. your last that that was your your last 800 split because i'm looking at your times from this year so far for the 800 you ran 154 indoors uh then you went 150 148 150 153 152 so think about it it's like you ran your last yeah. 800 almost as fast as you've been running 800s all year yeah no exactly exactly and like that's what i'm hoping for in like um, the 800 in two weeks is I can just have a fast 800 to try to separate that, uh, that PR from <laughs> last year. But you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's crazy. I mean, we went off, we were off of a slow pace, but just the ability to close and compete with, with those guys was really, um, a, a huge motivating factor. It also kind of, I kind of felt some pressure, um, moving forward with it too. I was like going into race, like, okay, David, like you're convince yourself you're a USA 1500 meter finalist and race these guys. And so that, I think that was a kind of a hard part uh, coming off this last year was just not so much of a burden, but just that expectation within myself that, hey, you, you raced into a final, you ran 152 for your last day, whatever. It's like, you can race these guys. And so, yeah, it's, it, since then, it's just been crazy. If you would have taken the lead after 400, I'm very curious what the announcers would have said on the broadcast because they would have been like, who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> yeah, hopefully they would have said Western Oregon. Right before we went out for the final, this guy's like, oh, Wisconsin. And I'm like, no, nah, Western Oregon. And like, the sheet like up and down. Oh, yeah, David, David Ribbick. I'm like, yeah, David Ribbick. Like, bye. And they're on the track. So, but yeah, it would, <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool. I think it would have been, I don't know, just something different because it's like, I wanted to do something like that, but I just never had that opportunity. So, I mean, if I'm in that position this year, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> then not do it and then have people say like, oh my God, he said he was going to do it and he didn't do it. But yeah, the yeah. competition is listening to this podcast too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, this is a live feed, right? I see this, like everyone in the 1500 meter listening in. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as you're making this, this transition now into the professional life, I guess, what uh, what are you looking for at this point? Like, I, I know kind of like, what do you think is going to work best for you as a professional? Yeah, man, it's oh man, it's so it's it's such a crazy thing because last year um, I talked with coaches at the USA Championships and I was like, okay, those are my top two guys, those are my top two teams, and then a year later I'm sitting here in a decision point of talking still with, 
with those top two teams of my decision. So like being able to have a full year progress and um, be in a decision is extremely difficult. And, you know, it's like the last two weeks have been pretty crazy because I'm already out of eligibility. You know, it's like D ones are happening this weekend, but I, uh, I'm still, I'm done. Like <laughs> I can commit, I can do everything. Um, but these last two weeks have been a pretty, um, or a week and a half have been a pretty slow process in terms of me coming to a decision because it, because I have this extra time available. I've, I've talked with all the agency groups I've wanted to talk with, all the coaches that I've wanted to talk with. So now it's just kind of me really figuring out what I want to be, what I want to become, who I am leading up into the next uh, few weeks and or next few years. And so like next year, you know, it, it's hard because um, my, I mean, I bet my teammates just tired of me talking about it. Cause like I have like two guys like Dustin who I train with every day and my roommate Tyler, I bounce ideas off them all the time. So they're probably just like, David, sign a piece of paper, get done with it. Like just, <laughs> just stop, just stop talking about it. You're fine. And so I don't really know, but it's, track and field is such an interesting sport where a lot of what you do is based off um, performance and um, just the regular competition um, of being healthy and being able to compete. But something that I really value is be- having an off the track presence. You know, I want to be able to have that on the track presence, but I also want to be off the track and be able to do speaking engagements and talk with high school kids, help with meets. And I just want to be there because some of the greatest memories that I have being a high school athlete is seeing fa- like collegiate athletes or professional athletes doing things like that. Um, and going through um, into next year, it's like I want to be able to help and I want to be able to do those things for those athletes kind of like where I was. And something that I really value too is my um, high school program. You know, it's like I went to this um, – I went to our high school state track meet um, two, three weeks ago. And I always give my old running shoes and old running clothes to my high school coach to give to some of his kids. And so I remember being there and this high school kid, I was sitting in the stands just with a bunch of the parents from Enterprise. And this kid comes up to me and his jaw just drops. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, it's David Ribich. Like, David, I'm Shane. I'm like, Shane, I know who you are, man. I was like, you're on my high school coach's team. Like, of course. <laughs> I was like, congrats on qualifying for state. And he's like, check it out. And he reaches into his bag and he pulls out a pair of my spikes. And he's like, I'm racing in these in the four by four tonight. And I'm like, sweet. And like, he was just so ecstatic to see me. And just seeing that joy was just like heartwarming. I was like, this is the reason like you should be doing stuff for tr- in track and field. You should be doing it for these moments for these, these younger athletes because what you're doing is making an impact whether you, you think it or not. And so, like, that guy was a lead leg for the Enterprise's 4x4. They won state. And the first thing he, like, as they're walking to the podium, he sees me and he points at the shoes. He's like, it's because of the shoes. I'm like, no. I was like, it's because of the person in the shoes. I was like, that's you. That has nothing to do with me. And it's like, what I want to be able to do um, wherever I'm at in the years to follow is give back to my high school and something that I've been trying to work into a contract as well, which, um, agencies and teams have been super appreciative of is building something within a contract that can give back to my high school, whether that's a stipend, whether that's just some of my cut out of, um, my pay, whether that's them just doing a straight donation or helping with shoes or gear or whatever. I want to be able to help like that small school, especially enterprise being an alumni, I just want to be able to make a difference in programs, um, whether it's high school, college, or anything. Just I, I want to be able to use my platform, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I'm a communication major. 
mining and sports leadership. I want to be able to try to put that to use um, and not just be a guy that runs on the track. So, so the trophies that you've you've won uh, is I believe one of them is with uh, your high school coach or college coach. Yeah, so I gave my um, the fifteen hundred meter trophy from last national title to my high school coach, and that that was a really really incredible experience because so he he was a OCE um, athlete and that was what Western Oregon University was in the sixties. Not trying to. Um, time stamp them but so he <laughs> is an alumni of OCE I'm alum I'll soon be alumni of pretty much the same university he was a high or he was a collegiate athlete as well he was on the track team and he ended up pulling his hamstring um pretty bad and back then you know you didn't really have that medical procedures to reattach and rehabilitate you to be 100% again and so his career was relatively over at that point and so um I I wanted to give that to him because that na- first national individual national title that I received had so much to do with him and so as much to do with him as it did my college coach and me because he understood that when he told me in high school the best things are going to come in the future that was one of those best things experiencing um, winning that title with my family in Florida and I was like this I know exactly what I'm going to do with this I had that decided right when I was on the podium and so yeah my high school coach has it he, uh, his, um, his daughter texted me though. And was like, you know, I, I love the idea that you giving him his trophy, but, uh, he took down the picture of his grandkids. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully there's good, um, that's all been resolved. But yeah, I, I, I gave it to my high school coach, not, not for like the, the image of, wow, David's such a, like, I, I don't, didn't need it for the, wow, you gave that to your high school coach. I did it because it's like, he deserves that just as much as I do. And, and I think, giving back is the only way that you can move forward. And, and that was one of those things. I got a couple more and um, that's kind of like the process now of it's just putting them in the right place. I mean, my dad's been asking for one and I, I have one for him. I've just been waiting for a good time to give it to him. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you, your coaches have come up several times throughout the conversation. So what's the best piece of advice that each one of them has given you? Oh, um, so for my high school coach, so I had to unplug my headphones because my phone's at two percent. No, no worries. Hopefully the audio is all right. Um, so for my high school coach, um, he he instilled the belief of development in me and confidence, and being like when I was in high school, I, my freshman year of high school, I was four ten and weighed eighty six pounds. <laughs> so I was the little dude, and like I didn't really hit puberty until my junior year of high school. Maybe not even my senior year. I don't tell a lot of people that, but like. I'm still only shaving like two, three times. Okay, I'm shaving like twice a week. I'm, I should preach, three, preach. That's me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, God, man. I, I, I had to. I just remend my mustache when I took over Gideus. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm. I have pride in that. But hey, like, it's gonna be great when we're 40 years old and look right? 25. <laughs> exactly. I'll probably still get carded. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, my high school coach, he just told me to be patient and um, develop. And those are like the two words that have stuck with me still to this day, be patient and develop because ultimately you want to be able to develop. And so whether, and the cool thing about that too, is he never said develop physically. He, he was meaning develop mentally, physically, socially, every aspect of you as a person for my college coach, um, Johnson. So when I ran, um, so my sophomore year at Azusa Pacific, when I ran three forty three. That was a five-second PR, and that was a school record, a new conference record, and that was 
like a division two auto at the time. So that was like a big switch my sophomore year of like, holy crap, I just ran that fast. And, um, my, my college coach is like, after the race, he's like, David, you know what I'm going to tell you now? And I was like, go cool down. And he's like, no, he's like, be you. And I was like, what? He's like, be David Ribich. And I was like, okay, whatever that means. Like, this is something <laughs> real, you know? And, and when I got to the USA Championships, it came full circle. Like, when I was standing next to Centro and I wanted to jock with him about taking a picture of you and me, that's me, you know? Like, that's me being me. And it's me being me talking with competitors on the starting line or me being me talking with fans or, or kids or parents or whatever. It's like, what Johnson's told me is to be me. And that's honestly my biggest focus moving forward in the next few years is being a part of a group, a company that I can be me in. And, um, the, the conversations are, are getting narrower and narrower as it's getting, I'm getting closer to decision, but um, being me and being able to really, um, express myself, um, is, is really important. And so, yeah, like coaches, coaches build relationships for life. And it's like for the better or worse, you know, it's like, my college coach and I were talking at our sports auction the other night and um, he said, he's like, coaching's a lifelong commitment, whether you're coaching them or just being a part of their lives. And he's like, and that can also be a negative effect because the athletes that you coach will all can have a negative. Um, what, 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 man, what do you say? I don't want to butcher what he said. Long story short, you can impact athletes positively or negatively throughout their life. So how you, how you work with your time as a coach is incredibly important. And so, yeah, my high school coach focused me focused on patience and development. And then my um, college coach just told me to always be me. And I think those are things that go a long ways for every athlete, not just myself. All right. Are you ready to move into the uh, final three questions that I ask every guest? Yeah. All right. So first get- one, what's uh, – What's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on let's run.com? Oh, geez. Oh man. Um, oh, God. <laughs> um, I mean, I try to stay off that as much as I can. I honestly do. But after, uh, after the, um, after I ran seven fifty and three fifty indoor, I was just on there. And this one guy was like, um, God, I don't want to butcher. I honestly want to find it. So <laughs> go for oh, it, man. Um, yeah, let me let me look it up. Go go to question two as I'm typing away to pull up question one. Yeah, so question two is if you could run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, uh, 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 who would it be, and where would this run take place? It could be someone fictional. It could be someone famous. Uh, whoever doesn't have to be a runner. Man, doesn't have to be a runner. Um. Um, yeah, that's a good question too. You know, the uh, weird, like the first guy that popped in my mind was Turo. Turo was like an old, um, Greco Roman, um, rhetorical speaker. And I don't really know why. I mean, I'm taking a rhetoric class right now, but I feel like Cicero or Aristotle or Plato or those guys, those guys would be some pretty interesting dudes to go on a run with and have a conversation. I don't know how fast they could run, but one of those guys, like I'll say Aristotle because he's more well-known, but if you could have a conversation with Aristotle on a run, you'd be listening the whole time, I feel like. So Aristotle <laughs> would probably be my guy. Um, 
but I, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. Um, if, if I was to go with a, an athlete, though, I'd, I'd say Dave Waddle. I think Dave Waddle Dave Waddle's one of my favorite favorite athletes. So, and where would this run take place? Um, you know, I, if it was with um, Aristotle, it'd probably take place over in Greece somewhere, overlooking um, a nice lake or in a, in a mountainside. And it was with Dave Waddle. Honestly, I, I would say Dave, choose a spot. Like you're the guy. <laughs> like wherever you want to go, I'll go. Um, but yeah, I think those are those are my two guys. Those are good answers. So actually, I did. I just did a quick search in case you can't find it. But there's this one. This one that I found. I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but this is like uh, the thread was who wins D two three K. And yeah, this is And then someone said stat fanatic wrote ribbitch and it won't even uh, and it won't ever be in doubt someone responded with his name is poser one nine seven eight five two says lol there is major doubt did you see how bad he did at xc nationals kid is weak he got caught up in a yeah. race 750 i don't know if he can actually race sad exclamation point <laughs> yeah no that that was the one i was thinking honestly <laughs> that one and then there's another one that um just takes a huge jab at um division two and that was like that one i honestly took more personal than like <laughs> that because like these guys are trolls like my teammates start threads and not <laughs> we we don't do it as much but like there's one time we're coming back from seattle and we started a thread and it was super funny um but it was just like us replying to ourselves but so yeah that jab was hard because they were talking about cross nationals and i definitely bombed and i <laughs> Yeah, that was probably the most offensive one to me. Um, and I wanted to say that. I just do what he said or whoever they said because they uh, they definitely said it straight. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> and then th- there was one that was just like um, – they called Division Two like JV. And they said um, – man, where is it? Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, the, the thread was David D2, David Ribich, Western Oregon. Dude is on fire, 358, 750 for 3K. It's time for Black World to start talking about him. Someone comments, um, great D2, JV, no one cares. Good job, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Man, people are so mean on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, so last one. You get 25 shots from half court. If you miss one... Uh, if you make one, you win $25 million. If you miss one or you miss all of them, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? Yeah, I'd, I'd take that shot for sure. <laughs> for sure. I'd take that shot. Like, are you really living? Because if what you're going to do is you're going to have that whole life of regret. Like when someone presents that opportunity, they're going to be oh, okay. now I'm kind of talking out my, my butt because now that I'm actually thinking about it, like, that would suck. <laughs> yeah. You had 25 um, years in jail. Man. But, like, I usually make a half-court shot on, like, the eighth or ninth shot. So, mm, You've got a bunch what, of free time now between this and Portland Track Festival. You might have to hit the hit the basketball court. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm no longer on eligibility. haven't signed a contract. 
am available to do that. And that's the point where we lost connection with David, but he went on to tell me that he would attempt the 25 shots because he is a risk taker. So uh, that does it for this episode of the City Smack podcast. Uh, many thanks to David for taking the time to do the interview. You can catch him racing at the Portland Track Festival, and then after that, the U.S. Outdoor Championships in Des Moines later this month. So David Ribich, a name to remember on the U.S. middle distance running scene uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, so if you missed the previous episode of the CSMAC podcast, it was a preview of the NCAA Outdoor Championships with track superfan Jesse Squire, my go-to guy for all things NCAA track and field. He will have a lot of cool content throughout the rest of the week on CSMAC.com. Kind of, you know, if you're looking for a guide as to what to watch, he will break it down for you every morning with a post and possibly recap some of the day's previous stuff. So Jesse will be on the blog uh, for the next couple days. And my next guest on the City Smack podcast, because we are taping the episode on Friday and hopefully looking to post it shortly thereafter, is Boston Marathon surprise Sarah Sellers. Uh, I'll be sitting down with her in New York City. And so if you have any questions for her, feel free to tweet them at City Smag or at Chris Chavez, and I will ask them on the show. So uh, that episode should drop on Friday or Saturday. So keep an eye out for that. And... Uh, that it's one of you know i'm back on my podcasting grind took the last couple weeks off because i'm still working on a story uh for sports illustrated um that needs a little bit of uh time for me to report on on things um so apologies if you've been missing uh any episodes but we've got i think more than 60 previous episodes so a lot of cool stuff and many more to come uh again if you enjoy what we're doing at City of Smag, please consider donating to the City of Smag Patreon. That's patreon.com slash City of Smag. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Uh, but that does it for this episode. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.